0: how you were doing sir. How have you been keeping throughout the stresses and pressures of lockdown um yourself and your family? Yeah, we've been very, very good. We've had the pleasure of having
1: just intense quality family time. And I've also had the opportunity to, to be away for about six months of the pandemic. My family had a chance to sort of come out as well because my wife played my wife on the show. So uh we're able to, to take
0: the whole family out. So it's, it, it's been nice. It's been good. That's good to hear because everyone's taking this situation differently. And mm-hmm. if you can find the silver lining within it, then it's definitely going to be a lot easier to just run the course because no one knows when this situation is going to change. But as like you said, you've got your support network and your family around you. I guess this is something that you probably are used to, people introducing themselves as fans of your work. I'm also a fan, but second biggest fan in my household my mother is a much bigger fan which i didn't know was possible but she's a huge fan of yours and that is why i mean you have an issue but i'll get on to that later and i'll explain so for now toby if you don't mind introducing yourself what you do and who you are my name is toby
1: bakari i'm an actor i've been acting for about 13 to 14 years and i most recently can be seen on death in paradise having haven't done the show for seven
0: years seven years has gone very quick from outside looking in and I can only imagine you've just left set more or less um when's the last time that you were an acting set of any stretch of the imagination
1: well I had the opportunity to do Kingsman second Kingsman golden circle while I was doing death in paradise and that was cool
0: congratulations by the way oh
1: thank you thank you thank you yeah I mean it's it's one of those interesting projects where it's like the payoff may not be seen yet but the payoff will come eventually and done a short film, very interesting short film by an up-and-coming director called Thomasin Adepedri, which is quite cool, short film called Marianne. But apart from that, Death in Paradise has been the main thing for the last seven years, and it's a lot of set time, <laughs> put it like that. Different directors, different crew, it's a lot of set
0: time, so yeah. So, it's like, right now, you're a lot longer in the tooth than people would assume because people are very familiar with you in Death and Paradise, and as like you said, um, Kingsman as well, but your career is one that has had multiple different i guess manifestations um for lack of a better word in terms of um, the the size of the roles that you've played what is it like being in a show that garners so much attention when it comes out it's a fanfare it's a craze
1: well being in a show like death in paradise firstly regardless of how notorious the show is one thing i can't be in is in a show that doesn't support artists i mean it doesn't support the industry doesn't support creatives and it's just not very nice but Red Planet who are the producers or the makers of of Death in Paradise have found a way to just merge everything together get the most kindest but yet the most talented creatives on the job which I find phenomenal and then not just that you know they create content that we as artists we we find fulfilling you know what I mean and though it comes with its (laughs) narratives and you have to sort of do your bit to tell the story and those parts sometimes are not as fulfilling But when you do get the chance to dig into the real character stuff, then that's when you're like, yeah, this is where I
0: need to be. So, yeah. I guess emphasis on past tense, because um, as I mentioned, the reason, (laughs) I haven't told you the reason, but um, yeah, we're just the elephant in the room now. As I said, my mom is not very happy because one of her favourite actors and characters has decided to depart a show that she loves very dearly. I've come to terms with it. I've forgiven you. My mum, not so much. still a work in progress. <laughs> so, so what made you decide that now was the point that you were going to, I guess, make the leap? Yeah. Because you left on your own terms, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I left on my own terms. Well, depends how
0: you see Wait, it. Can we speak on that? How does, how does that feel?
1: Well, I feel like I've always been that way inclined anyway. If you respect the set and you respect the show and you put in the best, you make your character stand out, then people are just going to want to keep you. You understand on board so I think that should be the end goal for everybody but for myself it came in a quite interesting way and I'm just going to be really open with you William when I first got the audition for Death in Paradise I initially said no because it was a three-year option so they had the rights over me as an artist for three years and I thought to myself man like prior to that I had been doing some really strong projects and you know it just felt like trajectory wise you know what I mean the next thing was always it was around the corner and I thought Three years on a show, ah, tricky. But my agent, Femi Ogans, who runs Identity uh, Drama School and and Identity Agency Group, he just said, Toby, just read the script. So I was like, all right, cool, I'll read the script. Read the script, and I was like, yeah, this character is quite interesting, let, let me go for it. And so it was a character that made me do the job. Firstly, that's number one for me. I've said no to a lot of projects that have high status but terrible character, because I have to be honest with you, I'm the type of person who will blame it on acting but actually it's not acting's fault it's just the character I was playing so how about I ensure that I protect the creative aspect of myself which will enable me to still desire to do this thing so that was number one but what happened was since booking Death in Paradise I was a bit like okay when is the time to go when's the time to go so after three years I realized that my eyes were always elsewhere and looking for the next thing and I never fully focused on this role I never I invested myself when I was on set, but I don't feel like I embraced the experience. Being in the Caribbean, being, you know what I mean? Just everything that comes with being able to film a project like it. I was like, you know what? This is um, Year four is going to be the year of of being grateful. So I was like, all right, let me throw myself in. And then year five came about and I was like, you know what? I'm a Christian. So I'm a person who sort of is tries to be a sensitive to what I believe God is telling me to do at every stage of my career. And so the big things for me was going, okay, God, when is the time to go? And I remember, I think it was year five, season five, I was attending this church in Guadeloupe, full of Dominicans and they had like the the, 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 the big hats and you know, that, that real traditional, you know what I mean? And it's <laughs> it's really enthusiastic. And I was like, yeah, this is- The this energy is church. different. The energy is different. It's Isn't proper it? different, you know what I mean? <laughs> but the love is crazy. They invite you to their home and they cook cooking like, all these dishes and you're just like rah you know these people the love is just real you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i was there i was in this church and there was this minister and he was speaking and he was speaking about something completely unrelated to death in paradise i mean he's going to preach about death in paradise to make no sense and he when he was talking he said he mentioned seven years based on a different topic and it just hit me so hard that that was when my time will be up on death in paradise and so my wife, my wife was in the UK at the time because cause we, we just had a newborn. And I called her and I said, look, I believe I know when it's time for me to finish doing Death in Paradise, but I'm not going to tell you. I want you to go away, pray about it, and get back to me. She called me back the next day and said 2020, which is exactly seven years. And then we were like, yeah, okay, cool. That's what we're going to start working towards. And that is the, actually the God's honest truth why I've moved off from Death in Paradise now. Without that, I probably will still be doing the show. I always say there's a media answer and there's the truthful answer. The media answer is, ah, you know, my my daughter's about to go into school and all. But the truth is, if I booked a job that travelled me away, I'd go. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'd go and I'd probably pack up the kids with me. You know what I mean? So yeah, but that's the that's the truth. You know what I mean? It's trying to be to do things that I believe that the will of God is is for me to leave now, and that's actually the reason why I've, I've made the jump and left
0: the show first and foremost appreciate the transparency brother the aspect of god and religion it's not something that's unfamiliar with myself or a lot of the listeners and also from previous interviews that i've heard you speak on it what is it like navigating in an industry which people assume not to be very accepting and tolerant of religion as a whole let alone christianity and where the topic is quite taboo have you ever had any experiences where you felt like you had to Closet your faith, or you felt like in revealing it, it it has made it a bit more treacherous to
1: progress. To be honest with you, it's that's just the nature of this world. The Bible actually talks about persecution happening, so when it does happen, it only supports my belief system as opposed to pulls me away. and go, well, it says it, so it's just deepening my faith now. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, Especially when all your actions are opposite to what the reaction is, you know what I mean? Your actions are love and you're, you're trying to show respect and you're trying to actually help people as well because the funny thing is, there's our ideas of love, but then there's there's a love that, I look at the way I am with my children, for example. You know, if my child does something wrong, within the scope of love, I will correct them, you understand? But we're living in a society that no one wants correction, you know what I mean? We just want the freedom and the liberty. And so even the action of correction is one birthed out of love that the root of it is love talkless of when you do something nice when you go the extra mile for someone when you give what you have it's all under the umbrella of love and um, I guess people take what they want but I I've, I've found it for myself you know there is a massive network of actors who I believe is one of my closest friends Malachi Kirby who was one of the groomsmen at my at my wedding you know like he's a believer and me and him we attend the same church Letitia Wright You know what I mean? These are people who I've known for years, you know, and we have all fellowshipped and come together over the period of time. And there's a lot of actors out there who are very much trying to do this thing properly. You know what I mean? So I'm well supported, but I I understand the terrain and I'm not scared of it. It just is what it is.
0: Like you said, it comes with the territory of wearing anything on your sleeve and I guess revealing it to others. In that sense, you're obviously going to attract different energies and different reactions. Mm -hmm. I feel like the names that you mentioned there were very important names in, in the industry. I was going to say the culture, but that might even be to limit it how influential these people yeah, are. Like exactly. you said, Malachi Kirby and Letish Wright yourself. With the Febby Ogun's identity score, it's got a sort of mystique about it from the outside looking in where we don't know what happens in there. We just know that all of the best actors just materialize from thin air, end up on the screen. And we can assume nine times out of 10, if there's a black Brit in any role succeeding, they probably came from there. So I just wanted to know, I don't know if there's a secret code, I don't know how much you can give, <laughs> but what? But what is it about that place and that man as well, which um, just mm. creates an environment for you guys to be so successful after?
1: Yeah. I, I, I feel Femi will appreciate it. You know, I guess in many institutions, being a minority, you may realise that you are black, you understand? But in Identity, it started off as UK's first black drama school. But within the halls, there was no talk of blackness at all. There was never a hurdle. There was never a barrier. There was never a wall to climb over. It was just, we're going to work on our craft. And so that is the biggest, uh, me and Malachi, we talk about this a lot, is that we sometimes struggle speaking about race because, number one, our mentality towards it is very different from maybe a majority because we're like, we just haven't been brought up at it being a hurdle, if that makes any sense. I think it's because Femi Ogens also he he just did what he wanted, <laughs> you know what I mean? He literally just did what he wanted, and now he's housing so many artists from many different races, many different backgrounds, and they are looked after very well, you know. And I think that if there is any cold, we were worked hard, extremely hard, but we were never told about barriers. We were just let out. Yeah, I mean, We just let loose, trained hard and then let loose like birds, just flying. And then all of a sudden, we just scattered in different places. And the thing about Femi is that, because I, I started when the drama school started. So I saw when sessions were five pounds per lesson. You know So you I are mean? one
0: of
1: the OGs. Well, yeah, you could call it that, you know what I mean? But yeah, like <laughs> proper, proper, like I saw when, oh man, it's actually quite emotional. Femi, he's legit, you know, regardless of what anyone says about him he's legit. You know what I mean? Like he wears his heart on his sleeve, you know, like really does, you know, and when he's invested, he's so invested, maybe more so than in his own self at times, you know, and that was a big thing for us. And actually, oftentimes in order to produce the quality that drama school has been able to produce, sometimes you have to make the big sacrifice. And in his case was his career. He was an actor. He had to drop it to release many more. But I think ultimately it's the mentality that the barrier, even though we're aware and we're well-educated from experience and from everything, we understand that we just go out and do what we need to do, you know what I mean? So yeah.
0: That's very insightful and very high words of a man that we don't often get to hear from because like you said, he's so invested in the talent and in his own work that um, the only way that a lot of us do hear from him is through testimonies like this. So it's just good to know that there's more than meets the eye. Like I said, it's not just a shell or building, there's, there's a culture in there of love and of life. Mm. I'm, like, I'm very happy to hear this story. But at the same time, if you just said, "Shh, I can't tell you anything. That, that, Toby, <laughs> that would have got <gotten> me <laughs> that mystery element. <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you don't want to be enlightened. But no, we're just a side and I appreciate it. it. Whilst I guess we're on the topic of race, like you said, it wasn't necessarily something that was pertinent there because we all bleed the same blood, we're all human at the end of the day, although society might make us not necessarily be able to exist in that on that level playing field. What was it like playing a police officer for a period where police brutality has never been recorded or filmed more than ever? Was that something that ever came to mind or did you always just compartmentalise it as this is life and this is this job"? its job?
1: It's a very tricky question. It's a very, very tricky question because we're talking about a make-believe world in the form of Death in Paradise. Sam Marie's doesn't exist. You know what I mean? And it's a show that existed before that specific account of police brutality existed. You understand? And so as the artist, you have to try and find consistency. You know what I mean? And, and honor the show that you're in. But I find that there's so many other platforms to express disdain or express how we feel about those things. On set, there was a growing shift anyway everyone's very aware that they're in the caribbean you know but i find with death in paradise because so many people from guadeloupe are employed on a show it's just we're all eating from the same plate and i think that is what i find so phenomenal about the show that regardless of what's happening in the western world you know a place like guadeloupe where the west meets wherever else what automatically happens is context creates the same culture you understand And we're immediately going, okay, here we are. You know what I mean? We're all together. We're all eating from the same plate. We're all laughing. We're all joking. No one's looking down on anyone. Everyone's looking to build each other up. And I think that's one of the biggest things with the show. You know what I mean? And that's definitely what I've found quite fulfilling being there. I've had some phenomenal moments with some of the the, the Guadalupean crew just some great moments they're lovely i still still speak to, to quite a few of them you know because i don't know so, so it's, it's a tricky one so play, but playing a police officer on a show like death in paradise didn't change because the nature of my police the police officer i'm playing the heart of the character doesn't shift because of society it has to stay consistent or in the
0: remit of the show I am um, i wouldn't say taken aback i'll say i'm um, just talking to you and hearing how insightful you are which is what I already believe to be the case. When it comes to the show, there's like the beautiful tributes on Instagram, which I'm not sure if you're aware of or not, about J.P. Hooper, just, oh, no, don't leave us. He's my favorite character. But you weren't anywhere to be seen in the gambit of social media. And we don't hear from you a lot, considering how insightful and how many views you have. Is that a personal choice, a conscious choice to keep elements of your private life private and your personality and why is that it's commended as well i'm saying that with the utmost respect because considering that you're in the spotlight in your roles Mm. even to be able to do it you've clearly mastered the art of being able to do that so i'd love love to hear about that yeah
1: yeah well to be honest with you the industry is shifting you know the acting industry is shifting and and there is more onus on having some form of platform or following you know what i mean and there's been a temptation continuously for me to dabble in that because I know I've, I've been able to, I, I know I could, if that makes any sense. Well, going back to the years when social media wasn't a thing, I, to be honest with you, I always just, I've never looked for fame. I've wanted notoriety for my work. I've wanted my work to be known, but I haven't wanted the, the extra bit. I also find, you know, to a degree, sometimes it could be, <laughs> if, some of these things could become the, the thing that sort of props you. In life, you know, um, and I don't really want that propping. I don't want to be flattered. I don't want to be validated because if I build my house on that rock—well, not that rock, on that sand—you know what I mean? <laughs> when the wind comes, boy, it's going to fall down. The whole house is going to fall. And so, I've kind of just tried to to not dabble too much with social media on that premise to the degree where I was even thinking of just getting rid of it all—the whole thing. Like, because I'm just like, I don't know where it serves in my life. And I just want to do quality work. I mean, that's the reason why I haven't sort of dug in deep in it. But there was a time, a long time ago, when on Facebook, I used to, like, <laughs> chuck stuff out continuously. And here's the other thing, William, that I found as well, is that every day we get these sort of mini gems, right? These little, like, bubbles of or light bulbs of ideas. And sometimes not ideas, certain um, things, just lessons we learn on life. And if there's just a continuous funnel out to society then it actually hasn't stayed enough in yourself. It needs to cook. It needs to marinate. It needs to live. It needs to sort of, you know what I mean, fester a bit so that when it does come out, it can be more effective. It can be more lived in, more experienced. And that's actually the reason why I stopped being so vocal on social media. But the reason why I haven't continued it is because I don't really want the validation and all that stuff. I just want to sort of do the work, man, and focus on the most important things in life. You know what I mean?
0: I watched that. I'll be honest, from a selfish point of view, I needed to hear the answer because just yesterday, I caved, I've never had social media. And I, because of the element, the nature of this job and this industry, I had yeah. to make a Twitter account because otherwise I wouldn't be able to get in contact and reach out with people. But um, your reasoning for not doing so doesn't seem like it's to do with staying connected at all. It's more so, like you said, just for the sake of not feeling that like you need an additional prop or element in your life that gives you some form of validation. And I feel like a lot of that also, you can correct me if I'm wrong, stems from having choice, the power of being able to make choices. As someone who's long in the tooth as an actor, how did you get yourself to a position where you felt like you didn't have to take or do everything that compromised your character and you could just choose what you wanted to do? In
1: 2015, I just had a moment where I just realized that I just realized that I I, I can make a choice the choice was not the job by job stuff the choice was what type of actor do I want to be do I want to be a working actor or do I actually want to build a career I've been able to work all my career thank god you know I mean I've been able to just do acting you know and I didn't want also didn't want work to be what validates me as an artist to sort of go yeah you can do it you know what i mean which is the reason why i had taken work in the past at some point in my my past was like yeah you see like you? you are good at this you know what i mean And it came to a point where i just had to go you know what it's time to actually make choices and i feel as an artist the only thing we have as a self-employed sorry the only thing we have is choice you know what i mean and that sounds like a crazy thing to say but even if you had a gun to your head it's it's still a choice you understand yes I mean <laughs> you don't want to die but <laughs> but it's, yeah. it, it's still a choice you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, and I find that I don't have to say yes all the time I don't need to be the yes man can say yes I can say no and my no will not be out of vanity or looking down on a project my no will be on the things that I believe in which is creative quality you know what I mean What speaks out to me from the text and oftentimes my yes if I'm not careful can be one that is based off money and if money is what I'm chasing for the whole of my life then really it just I can't live like that you know what I mean so I prefer to make the sacrifice elsewhere I prefer to get a standard job and to not make the sacrifice on my talent than to continuously sacrifice my talent and then lose the love for my talent you understand Um, And that's just the mentality I have, and that's where the choice comes into play with me. And I saw this, I said, uh, I have a group of people around me that have been so phenomenal, they don't tell me about this. So they don't talk to me about how to do things, but I see them do it because they're around me. And I've seen many people around me say no, they've built their careers of saying no, you know what I mean? (laughs) But when they say yes, the yes takes them 10 steps ahead. And then they will say no for a long time, you know what I mean? And just have to learn how to manage money, really. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: <laughs> now, the the power the power of no is, it's a different type of power, like you said. When you can say no to five things and say um, that, that would have maybe got you an inch forward and then say yes to something that would get you like a thousand miles forward, just having like that now and being able to see the opportunities and how much value they are as opposed to just monetary value, it's definitely something that I'm assuming that you've built up over time and through having such a strong support network. But... If you don't mind, if we can take this all the way back, before you even, I guess, considered acting as a career, um, but I'm a West Londoner and we've got listeners from all over the country. Take me back to what it was like as a kid growing up in Hackney and paint the picture of, of what you'd come to expect on the average day in Amos Road.
1: Yeah, wow, that's information boy. You know, Amos Road, wow, okay, great. So- <laughs> So it was interesting. I've I've got two older sisters, one older brother. Uh, Likewise. (laughs) Nice. And a younger brother, one younger brother. And we were a tight-knit family, a very, very tight-knit family. You know, because of the area we were in, you know, though we we had like a house on a corner, we had about four or five different estates around us that had gang affiliation in them. And I don't know why it's interesting. I was always scared of Nigeria just because of the... Films I watch, you know what I mean? The, the Nollywood films I watch, I'm like, oh, is that what it's really like? You know? But my mum will always be like, oh, no, it's free. If you were in Nigeria, you go out and you do this and you do that and it's okay, you go wherever you want to go. But in the UK, for some reason, she was always so like, oh, scared and, <laughs> you know what I mean? And sort of molly cuddle the kids. And my mum done a phenomenal job in just keeping us restrained. You know what I mean? Actually, the reason that I kept out of trouble in Hackney was... The fear of my mum. It wasn't the fear of the police. I wasn't scared of teachers. I wasn't scared of anyone. It was just fear of my mum. My dad was around, but he was back and forth in Nigeria, you know. But it was the fear of my mum. I was like, I don't want to get on the wrong side of her. You know what I mean? And that's what kind of kept me. And it was interesting because I went to secondary school and primary school in Hackney as well. And I saw a lot of stuff. You just see a lot of things. But for the fear of my mother, you know what I mean? But for me, being able to go, OK, cool, like, I don't want to get the wrong side of her, I a million percent would have dabbled in all sorts of things. I can guarantee it because it was too easy. You understand? But I, I walked down the street after school, and all I think about is if my auntie saw, and then she reports to my mum, oh, i got to go home. <laughs> but it was good because it actually made me, it taught me about no. It taught me about integrity. You know what I mean? And that kind of followed through to college, you know, where I remember... I went to a college called Barking Abbey and I studied sports science funny enough and I remember like all the kids who were from like you <laughs> were from like East London, sort of like the minority areas if you want to call it that, for some reason I don't know why, I don't know why but they'll sit at the top of the le- lecture room like sit at the back and I don't know I just thought what am I sitting at the back for? I can hardly even hear the lecture so I decided to sit at the front and I knew some of them from my school so I had to sit at the front and then I started to just interact with the teacher, talk with the teacher while the lecture's going on, you know what I mean? And then all of us, as it went on, everyone started to funnel to the front. Everybody started sitting at the front. And you had all the, the minority people sitting at the front, just vibes and learning. And, and you know what I mean? And I just thought to myself, man, like that's from this sort of thing that my parents, I believe, created, which was the ability to stand out. You know what I mean? But it started with. The care and concern and the desire for my mom especially to go, I do you not know, want my children to be a product of their environment,
0: so, yeah. Uh, there's so many elements of that I can relate to. Um, mm. Being from Sierra Leone myself, there was um, oh, nice. a point in my childhood where Sierra Leone was ranked as the most dangerous place on planet Earth, like officially. And I used to say, nah, never will I ever go there. And that used to break my mom's heart. She said, no, it's not like that. I'm like, you're not seeing the news. But as you grow old and, like you said, in your eyes open and you start to realise, OK, places end up in certain situations because of factors out of their control. And this, exactly. um, the motherland is a beautiful place. And yes. mothers specifically, even though I also had like a father present in my life who didn't live with us, but I did have a father figure. Very much the same situation of not wanting to get on the wrong side of mum. It a, is it's a real thing. It's definitely a real thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a real, it's a real thing. So yeah. shout out to auntie, man. Exactly. <laughs> um, I've just got some speed fire getting to know you questions I feel like we definitely got to know you more than I've got to know you and I'm getting more out of you than what I've seen there so I appreciate you giving us this much of yourself and thank you a book that you have in your collection an, an important book I guess
1: The Bible but outside the Bible The Elimination of Hurry by a man called John Comer great book
0: thank you a song or album that defines the soundtrack um, of your life to date uh oof. That one gets everyone. To be fair, I don't know why it's a speedfire one.
1: There's an artist, uh, an artist called Marley Music, uh, one of my favourite artists. But his earlier stuff, just it really, really speaks to my. They've seen me through a lot, of, lot of hard times. So yeah.
0: A film or a TV show that you'll watch repeatedly, no matter how many times it's on TV or how many times you've seen it before. Got to be coming to America. <laughs> <That's laughs> I go watch that over and over again. <laughs> Rose petals at the feet.
1: <laughs> oh, mate, I'm telling you. <laughs> Such a false perception of, of Africa.
0: But, hey, <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take
1: it. <laughs> we'll take it. Take
0: it. <laughs> um, something that you saw on stage that left a lasting impact on you.
1: Danny Sapani in Macbeth, 2000 and something. Cannot remember. I think it was like 2005 or, or something like that. Out of joint, Max Stafford-Clark. I will never forget his rendition of Macbeth. Never ever forget that it's lodged in. It's why I'm it's probably one of the reasons why I said I'm going to pursue acting properly.
0: What has made you sad, mad, and glad this week? Okay,
1: what has made me sad? No, no, that's probably a mad. What's made me mad (laughs) (laughs) has been. Uh, builders in my property. <laughs> you know, it's just like, come oh, on, man, didn't go properly. What's made me sad, some of the state of the I have quite close friendships, you know what I mean? But some of the state of some of the people that I'm I'm close to it's really, really got me. But they're going through bereavement and sometimes their actions could be big. You know what I mean? It just makes you go, ah. But what's made me glad is seeing them better. which has been just absolutely phenomenal Um, and being able to assist them in that so you see the beginning and you see the end
0: so for me that's what it is. Thank you and prayers to all the people in your life um, more prosperity more power for them what can we expect to see you in next?
1: Funny enough I can't really say this one
0: and the industry answer I was waiting for it I love
1: it. Yeah no it's too (laughs) fresh it's too fresh and it's going to bug people out (laughs) because it's a repetition of something that but anyway it's going to bug people out but yeah I'll make sure that everyone knows about it when it does come out
0: <laughs> <laughs> definitely we're we'll looking forward to it. and um I know that in I want to say in a past life in your youth um, you played a lot of football um yeah, I was yeah. playing a lot of football so I'm putting this out there to the producer of this show that hopefully one day when everything clears up we could organize a nice British Blacklist football tournament and I would love hey. to have you come down
1: Ah, oh, bless you. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. You know, we used to play football with the locals in Guadalupe all the time and it used to be, oh gosh, there's nothing like it. But yeah, now I'm, a, I'm big on football. I'd love to do that, man. Let's make it happen.
0: <laughs> uh, definitely, man. Um, peace and love, brother. Thank you for thank speaking man. to thank us you, and we hope to speak to you again soon, yeah? Thank you very much, man. Have a good one. Cool. Same to you. Cheers, man. Thank you.